The following is paid for by the Coalition for a Better Hollywood. For decades, Big Movie has had Hollywood studios in their back pocket. They spend millions to get you to spend billions on movies that are nothing more than sequels, reboots, remakes, reimaginings, Oscar cliché and January releases. Big movie lobbyists have all but ensured original film ideas are ignored, forgotten, or maybe not even real. Are they feature films? Are they quality flicks? Are they real motion pictures? You're soon to be, if not already favorite movie podcast stands with the little movies. Help put an end to big movies cinematic censorship and listen to the pop-up film cast every Tuesday wherever honest hard-working podcasts can be found. We are the pop-up film cast, a proud member of the Podfix network, and we support this message. They tried to get me to project. I just don't know how. You don't know how to project your voice? Not without straining. Project your voice. I have very little control over anything. The volume of my voice. All right, before we turn into uh, a full-on SNL sketch, we should probably get rolling. We should reenact that uh, father and son podcast. No, I met the. Uh, there's an old one called Theater Stories, and uh, it's just like these old British uh, crazy theater actors telling the just pointless stories that go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> like all theater people, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're offended, I was talking about you. <laughs> Live from the dining room table, it's the picture show with Austin and Phil Rude. I am Phil Rude, the dad. I'm Austin Rude, I'm the son, and this week we will watch a movie and talk about it, but at the dining room table. That's right. Very different. Well, we didn't want to walk all the way to the back office. Uh, We moved the 10 feet to the dining room. Right. And, uh... You know, I gotta say, it's a little more convenient. What if we had uh, an escalator situation, one of those moving walkways? Like the airport yeah, yeah. Uh, thing? Just to go straight to your office. Well, that's the problem with living in a palatial estate like ours, is it's so spread out. It's right. exhausting to get from one room to another. Every time I want to go bowling, I have to go... What, two floors down? You got to get on the elevator. Sometimes it's out of service. And then I call Hodor to carry me down there. Um, it's all just a big, it's a big to do. In all actuality, our neighbor is having a new fence put in. And that is happening right outside my <laughs> office. Uh, it is very loud back there. As it stands, you may still hear it. Uh, we don't really live in a mansion. So you may you may still hear it. We it, we will have to credit them, uh, <laughs> starring Austin, <laughs> Phil, and the builders and of the the, uh, the fence. Uh, uh, that's right. Our neighbor is Steve Bannon. It's it's true. Uh, so um, no, if it sounds a little different, that's the reason. I apologize uh, for it if it doesn't come out quite as as good as we've been working on. But um, it is what it is this week. Yeah. We're not a high, uh, 
We don't high quality. We don't show. have that soundproof. I wouldn't say should, we're not high should quality. Should I not say that? Should I, I not bash I th- us? I and... think you should probably not bash us. There's okay. plenty of people on the internet who will do, gladly do that for us. I, okay. I don't All think right. we need to do it to ourselves. One star. That's uh, from the co-star <laughs> would, himself. Would not listen. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on from this thing. I'm gonna edit out. Um, okay. And uh, what have you been up to? What have you been watching? What have you been putting in your brain? A lot of stuff. Uh, WandaVision, that's still going on. Yeah, still going on. Still enjoying it? I even more now. Are you a little less confused anymore? Or or does anybody know what's going on on that show yet? They've dropped like a hundred little hints. and It's a show of Easter eggs. And so uh, the most recent episode kind of ties some of them together. It's going in a direction. Okay. Also, we're at... uh, a modern family parody so we've gone hmm. from 50s to modern day essentially yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting all right then i'm also watching doctor who but the original show that's right uh, so for people who don't know for people who aren't massive nerds or are forced to listen to me all the time uh doctor who <sighs> Strap in. This is going to be five minutes of the episode. Yes, you will not get this time back. Doctor Who is a British science fiction show. Started in 1963, I believe. And it is 58 years old as of this year. Um, It ran for 26 seasons. It was canceled and then brought back in 2005. So I've seen the revived show. You've seen the modern. Yeah, uh, which is yeah. at 13 seasons now. But uh, now you've gone all the way back to the beginning? All the way back. 26 seasons to watch. Okay. Pretty exciting. I am on season one right now. Yep. I think like episode 10. So I'm getting, slowly but surely I'm making do you want Do you want to plug your new Twitter account while oh, we're here? Oh, I'm getting there. Okay, uh, alright. I did make a Twitter account uh, to kind of vent my nerd rage. Not rage, but like, you know, not everyone wants to listen to me ramble all day. So if you want to volunteer, if you want to sign up, you can follow uh, Old Who Review on Twitter. Yes, it looks like something else when you type it out. Uh, as someone rudely pointed out to me. I was trying to help you uh, before you went too far down. Um, I think it's funny. So I, I old, think it's hilarious. Old Who Review. Old that is... Who Review. Yep. Okay. So what have you been up to? Any new Twitter accounts or is that just Nope, me? nope. Uh, sticking. I haven't even made a Twitter account for this show. I... I <laughs> I refuse to take on any more social media than I already have. Um, we are very different. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I can't give the time to multiple accounts. I did that once. I did that with BrokeBot. I, uh, every, you know, me and David and Carrie, we all had access to the BrokeBot account. But it's just juggling. Once in a while, you tweet something personal, but you put it on the wrong account. I'm... Right. I, I just, I, I, and I feel I spend a little too much time on social media anyway. So, no, uh, no, no new Twitter accounts for me. Um, that makes sense. But, uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm coming off a, a week of vacation. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a couple weeks out from it. 
And I did watch some stuff. I got caught up with uh, some movies I'd been meaning to see and some stuff I'd found on the, the TCM app of HBO Max. I watched Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining. Right. Which is actually just a movie that wants to be The Shining really bad. And and it's it's not a terrible movie. It just is like a big Shining fan service movie. Which I would think you would like being a big fan but of. I, I don't like fan service. I'll just watch the original thing. I don't need Dr. Sleep to sit there and go, remember this? I'm like, yes, I do remember that. That's why I watched this movie is to see the continuation, not to just see us oh, back. Okay. You know, it's like a, what we said about The Mandalorian where they just, they were doing their own thing and then they just start backtracking into, right. uh, it's, you know. It's disappointing. Um, but I also watched some more samurai stuff on uh, HBO Max. They have like a big chunk, if not the entirety, of the Lone Wolf and Cub uh, series of of samurai movies. How many movies is that? Uh, it's like five or six on there. I don't know if there's more, but that's just what HBO has. And I watched some of that. I watched the first one. Um, the first. No, I did just watch the first one. I'm sorry. I didn't watch as much as I thought I did. But uh, when you watch that and you go, oh, that comparison to The Mandalorian is, it's pretty spot on. It's pretty, like... A warrior raising a kid. Oh, oh yes. Um, and also, like, there's some, like, John Wick elements. There's some uh, uh, Road to Perdition elements to it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Probably a lot more thematically, but um, yeah, there's a lot of like lone wolf and cub kind of idea of this warrior taking care of a baby and also like just having adventures, you know? Right. Um, and it's it's pretty interesting, and it it plays out a little more like a '70s exploitation movie, like a black exploitation or when was it made? Is it made in the '70s? Okay. It, it adapted from uh, comics, I think, of about the same time. So, um, yeah, it all, it all is very of its era in, in that it's, it's super, um, it's very graphic, uh, in terms of like action. There's some over the top, like blood spraying. You can see like the Quentin Tarantino Kill Bill blood spray came straight out of Lone Wolf and Cub. It's great, but it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a straight up action thing. It's not like Hidden Fortress that's. A little more like a a drawn out epic. It's right. it's really Slash, uh, buddy cop comedy. Uh, not quite a comedy, but uh, yeah, right. it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's that that sounds interesting. It is interesting, and and if you are if you are someone who enjoys the Mandalorian and enjoys that old warrior young child dynamic, it's not as clean cut. As it, it like I said, it's very of its time and it's very adult, like. Right. But uh, it's very interesting at the same time. I would recommend. it. I'm going to watch more of them. Um, if, but, if you find a favorite, or we could do them all. That's a whole. I don't want to commit to doing the whole series, but we may mm-hmm. we may bring one on the show here. And and there's a few uh, Asian movies uh, of both China and. Uh, Japan and uh, Indonesia. We could do like the raid or something like that. There's a, there's a bunch of like foreign action movies that I'd like to bring on here. That would be fun. So um, yeah, 
Anyway. Fighting is universal. Fight, the, the universal language of love and brutal ass kicking. <laughs> but, um, but that's not what we watched this week. It is not. Uh, this week, we checked out the 2009 psychoanalysis Where the Wild Things Are. This movie is about a boy who runs away to an island full of creatures that take him in as their king. And it stars Max Record. Or is it record? Hmm. James Gandolfini, Catherine O'Hara, uh, Forrest Whitaker, Paul Dano, Chris Cooper, and Lauren Ambrose. This movie was directed by Spike Jones, and it was written by him and Dave Eggers based on the classic children's book by Maurice Sendak. In uh, personal note, uh, Where the Wild Things Are is, in my opinion, the greatest book of all time. It is, uh, it's my f- personal favorite book. I love everything about it. I, I've loved it since I was a child. Uh, so uh, this really doesn't play in uh, to the story very much. It's the very bones of this story, but... It it plays in somewhat. Somewhat, like, yeah. But And as a viewer, like, you're going to have expectations and, like, a bias to the book maybe um as far as expectations i don't think i came into this i saw this movie in the theater uh when it when it came out we all saw it mm-hmm. um and i don't i don't think i've seen it since so but i do remember like not having expectations because i'm like this is a feature length movie off like a 30 or 40 page book right. children's book with very little actual text in the book so I really didn't know how they were going to expand it out. Um, and I I can imagine it was quite a challenge to actually do it. I think so. Uh, what First off, what, what did you think of the movie? I mixed, mixed feelings. Same. Like, I really like a lot of the movie, like individual parts. And some of it fits together. Some of it doesn't fit together. So it's... Do you, do you have an thing. example of what does or doesn't? Not right now. And what do you mean, like, like, what do you mean by fit together? Like, just story elements. Like... Just didn't work, or there were just pieces that didn't fall in place? I think it's falling in place. Like, some of, uh... Like, some scenes are saying the same thing pretty much like it's right. multiple examples like you could just show one or uh kind of conflicting messages there's a just lot of think... montages in this in this uh movie yeah there are yeah um, so it's uh it's a weird mix it's a weird movie it's a it's a very strange movie um and and it is the kind of thing you would expect from spike jones honestly uh, Spike Jones, if you don't know, made Being John Malkovich. He made the movie Her. Uh, I believe... Did he make Eternal Sunshine? Um, I don't Already, know. he's a weird guy. It, he makes some very strange movies. But, like, the big thing... He ma- he makes a lot of short films, and he made... He was really big in, like, making music videos. Um, okay. Uh, he made, like, a lot of Beastie Boys videos. He made the Weapon of Choice video right uh have you ever seen that with christopher walken dancing through the hotel (laughs) um like these really i kind of iconic music videos that because he made them 
to essentially be like experimental short films they stuck in people's head. And normally when somebody does music videos, like, you know, Michael Bay, uh, that guy Mick G, they all came from music videos. Mick Jagger? No, Mick G. That's his name. That's his professional name, which should tell you everything you need to know. But... Like that, that really is like a red flag for me. There are very few like music video directors. Like David Fincher was a music video director. So I don't want to throw shade on all of them. Some of them come out and, and make actually really good films. But like Spike Jones didn't, I think he never approached music videos as like, oh, it's just a music video. Right. He approached it's it as, I'm going to make a film. Yeah. You know, he made that Beastie Boys. Uh, you ever see the sabotage video where they're like 70s cops? The, like cops and robbers? It's it's like a thing. 70s cop show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, that's him. So it's, it's a really, um, it's a, it's a really unique vision that he works with. That makes sense. Cause this movie has a lot of like each individual scene is great. Like, yeah, just the, the way things are set up and fold into each other and each scene has like a rising and a falling that's a really interesting breakdown of this movie i wouldn't say every scene is great but they the scenes don't necessarily flow together real well right they don't seem like they they belong together but there's not like great transitions from one scene or sequence to the next but individually they're they're like a little nugget of something that's very interesting. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and there are some scenes that like, it's really hard to explain, but if you saw it out of context to the movie, it's better than in the movie. Like, I think one really big thing, uh, what's her name? KJ? Uh, uh, KW. KW. Right. Okay. There's a scene where she... Uh, she's always talking about these two friends that are outside of the group. Uh, Bob and Carol? Uh, no, Bob? Carol's the... Uh, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Bob and somebody. I don't remember. Right. But yeah. uh, they finally meet them and they're just owls. Bob and Terry. That's Bob it. Bob and yeah. Terry. Yeah. <laughs> and she knocks them out of a, the sky with like a rock. Right. It's it, hilarious. It's just... And they're like these puppets. Yes. Right? And they look so cool. Uh, and it's a really funny scene. Like, ask these owls uh, for advice. But like, in the context of the movie, for some reason... Like, I was thinking, okay, this is funny. Right. It's not funny, though. It's it's funny in the way of, like, um, you ever watch a movie that's that's funny, but it, it's not quotable? There's not, like, a funny line, you, or, yeah. or you, you explain it to somebody, and then you end up just going, you had to see it. It's, it's, it's that. It's just weird. Right. It's, it, like, the owl thing is weird. I w- I managed to figure out what every character represented except for the two owls. Like it there's a um they just seem to kind of come out of nowhere and then just disappear to nowhere. And and I think mm-hmm. the the nearest I can figure is they were just there to be uh the thing that is pulling KW away from Carol. Right, it's an outside. I want to hear more about what each character represents because I noticed, like, oh, this character is like an emotion. Like, yes, during the beginning, I was like, "This is Inside Out." 
This is yes. a, a kid confronting his emotions, but it is in, it's in this world. It's inside so, out, or as I wrote, but um, I didn't. I didn't stick to that. This is I, like this is like a more violent Winnie the Pooh. It's you yeah. know how every character in Winnie the Pooh is an emotion or a a mental strain. Uh, yeah. You know, Piglet is anxiety, and you know the, the these kinds of. Mm-hmm. Uh, things but uh yeah uh carol is rage she is he is max's rage they're all max's emotions yeah uh so carol is max's rage uh judith is self-loathing ira is low self-esteem remember they're in love those two go together Mm -hmm. um alexander is nihilism douglas is self-awareness uh the bull is depression and KW is self-awareness and calm. That's why KW is pulling away because she is aware that the rest of this self-destructive emotions are not serving her in a good way. I think Bob and Terry might represent sort of normal life or the ability to uh, mesh with, with others. Right. And, and that's why KW is being drawn to them as opposed to wallowing in the emotion. You know, she's linked with Carol. Carol, Carol loves KW, but it's essentially an abusive relationship. You know what I mean? It's, so it's dysfunctional. It, it's very dysfunctional. And she clearly like, can, I, I like that the movie does this without explaining their history. And it, it just, you just see Carol is very sad. Like, right. and, and you see that rage comes from sadness. The, all these characters are super sad and that's kind of what, what they represent is born out of is, they're, is they're sadness. looking for happiness, right? They're looking for something to come along and make everything better. And, right. and that's, that's what Max, that's what they hope Max is. And, um, yeah, I think that I, I, m- maybe the birds, uh, Bob and Terry. Sorry, right? Not just the birds. How derogatory! I know. Seriously, what a dehumanize them. Uh, they are owls, but maybe they're like Odin's ravens. Like knowledge. Yeah. Uh, could be. Yeah. She's could gaining be. knowledge, and that's why she's. Um. There's yeah. There's a lot away. going on here, and there's a lot that is not said in the movie. Um. That I think all plays into this in um in really interesting ways and i'm with you that i'm kind of split on this movie and that because of all this and and a few other really positive notes i think this movie is super interesting but i don't think it always executes well it's too caught up in the big ideas like to tell its story it's like yeah it's too okay this it's is a little emotion, up its own this ass is an emotion it, i mean honestly yeah. it, it really kind of is like but it's not like flaunting how intellectual it is because if you don't read into that it's just a super weird kids movie you know what i mean like right um i i just feel like it got caught up a little too much in its message that like the story kind of got weaker. Yeah, because the story um, plays out a little bit like a series of vignettes 
Mm-hmm. You know, oh, now we're building a fort. Right. Oh, now I uh, Carol's showing me his model. Now I'm going with KW to the beach. You know, there's all these little sections of it to where the overall plot almost doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, You're just kind of... Like, when I was watching this, I was just being taken from one setting to yeah. the next. Kind of just trying to figure out what this movie is trying to say. And uh, it was just a tad bit annoying. It that, Like, I yes. really liked the movie. It was just a bit too much. Uh, yeah. Um, the most... I, th- I think the most stressful part for me, or the thing I found the most irritating was max and um i made a joke yesterday about like the kid actor right uh not not being a great performance but at times that kid really is acting but the rest of the time he's just loud and shouting it's that nickelodeon problem that i have where this kid is just constantly shouting at me and it's annoying but also but, but that's kind of his character that that's, is that's he's a kid he's got all these emotions he's not and... just a kid though this is my other half of the problem with it is max is supposed to be like a mischievous child who misbehaves is a little rambunctious this max is a violent psychopath <laughs> like this max the way he acts out to specifically target destroying somebody's stuff um, is it's disturbing to watch. It, it is more than just a a kid with some behavioral issues. It, like Max in this movie is portrayed as a violent kid. Max is extreme. Yes, but I. Everyone has the capability of becoming a Max. Right. Like, that is... This story is kind of a warning. But... And and look, I do get that why they portray him that way. They have to bump him up in order to make you buy into... This is his rage is a legitimate monster. He's He's also dealing with equally awful people. His mom, like, the way she handled him was not... Um... Like there are sweet moments, like when he's in her office. Uh, That's that is stressed. that is super sweet. Yeah, right. But like the way she handles him, trying to get attention when she's just trying to make dinner. Like, and this is part of, uh, but that specifically is part of what Maurice Sendak, his point of the book. Uh, I saw an interview. There is a short film that Spike Jones made, a short documentary about Maurice Sendak when he made this movie. I, I don't know where it is anymore. It used to float around on YouTube. It was on Hulu for a while. I think it's called Tell Them Anything They Tell Them Anything You Want or something like that. It's it's a beautiful little documentary. But he was talking about like the idea that um that sometimes parents and children fight. Sometimes Parents overreact. Sometimes children uh, overreact in in like naughty way, you know, right. in misbehaving ways. And it is the idea that we can all make these mistakes and it's okay. We're still a family. We still love each other. There's this really like beautiful message at the heart of it. So I do think that because 
Um, I don't know if he would be like a technical advisor or what, but I think he did have some involvement with this movie. I think they were trying to sort of honor Spike Jones clearly like uh, respects Maurice Sendak and probably wanted to honor his vision in some way. So yeah, all, all the behavior is cranked up the mom's re- overreaction uh, his Max's overreaction. I think everything is dialed up. It's just, hard to watch you know what i mean like at the end at the end of the day you're spending time with a kid that you wouldn't want to spend time with in real life you know what i mean see i didn't want to spend time with him when he was in real life but on his island he was different on his island yes um and the in real life part is only like 30 minutes of the movie uh, not even no it's 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 barely in the movie uh, the only part of the island that I thought was too much was the dirt clod fight when everything got super violent yes. and, uh, kind of disturbing. Like it really got to be, uh, uh, tough to watch because these friends were legitimately hurting each other. Right. And, um, I, I think that part of what made that hard to watch was it started out in this really sweet kind of way, like like a team-building exercise. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's come together and play. And then um, they're dividing up good guys, bad guys, and uh, KW comes along, and uh, and Carol goes, come on, KW, come be a good guy with us. And it, it's the saddest, sweetest thing, because he's been full of rage, and it is that thing of like being violently full of rage and then immediately sorry. And remorseful. Right. And uh, basically we're watching abuser behavior play out in the context of children. And well, because that's what... That is what children do because they right. don't know what their boundaries are. Well, the whole thing is like abusers, they don't know how to handle their emotions the same way. Right. They're mentally children, not like no, no, intellectually. I, yeah. But like this movie is about emotional intelligence is, and that's... That's what That's it's trying to teach. How to super well put. Things. Thank you. I'm I'm looking for the words for like emotions, tough and monsters, and you're like emotional maturity. Yes, thank you. But like, yeah, that's I I keep wanting to intervene during this movie. Like, okay, here's how you. Do All right, it. guys, let's sit down and uh, and talk this out. Yeah, uh, right. I, I work in behavior rooms in an elementary it, school. It, exactly. I, yeah. Uh, so I'm it sure it makes that a lot of sense to me. This, but yeah, that probably struck you in a in a super different angle than it struck it, me. That's why I'm I'm more disappointed in the mom than I am at Max because the way. Like, yes, you're, you're right, uh, and the author is right, that adults, uh, they mess up, and they don't know how to handle things sometimes. But, like, right. as an adult, you are supposed to know how to manage your emotions better. We, um, I want to talk about the mom, but I want to, I don't, I want to take a break first. Okay. Um, but I do want to just reiterate that every time that, Carol interacts with KW. I think it's very sweet. I think I think he genuinely is sorry for the way he behaves. Yeah. And he genuinely does want her to come back. And there is such a there's such a sadness in his voice. James Gandolfini is great in this movie. 
If you don't know who he is, he plays Tony Soprano on The Sopranos. He plays a thousand mobsters and hitmen and these really bad guys. But he was also this really great character actor who could play all these different sort of uh, range of emotions. And I think I'm so glad he did this movie where he did play someone capable of monstrous things. Um, and it is just, he is just doing the voice. He, he's not in right. the suit. But he just brings so much emotion to Carol he, and, and he really makes him this. a well-rounded character. I, I do want to say you brought up a good point that like Carol is always sorry for what he's done. Uh, but the reason KW doesn't go back to him is because he's only sorry because he still wants something. He's still, right. he wants KW. He's not sorry because he realized, at least this is my interpretation, but like, he's not sorry because he realized, oh, this is the damage I did and I need to change my actions. He's just apologizing to get more of what he wants. I don't know, because when Max trashes his sister's room at the beginning, he is sorry after that. And he, I think he's partly sorry because he knows he's going to get in trouble. But I think he genuinely feels bad for having done it. I think he knows his behavior is out of line. Um, and this is part of him confronting that is having, you know, meeting these monsters where right. he can see this play out. Um, and, and the way it affects his, his relationships. But he, I, I think, I think Carol is genuinely sorry for whatever his motivation. Mm -hmm. And I think Gandolfini really, really plays it super well. And I think, um, let me find her name. Uh, she's from Six Feet Under. Catherine O'Hara? Uh, no, um, Lauren Ambrose. Um, Catherine O'Hara plays, uh, Judith. Okay, yeah. Um, she's also from Schitt's Creek. Uh, yeah. Moira. Yeah. Moira yeah. Rose. Yeah, she's in a ton of I stuff. She's in all the Christopher Guest stuff. She's great. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, Lauren uh, Lauren Ambrose was the daughter on a series called Six Feet Under. And she's really great at voicing K-Dub. She's very just skeptical of Carol. And it just comes across that she really does love carol but she's just like he's not changing you know, like she yeah. she knows him and i think she's so delightful in this in the way she plays it she is wonderful voice and she's she she sort of takes care of max she sort of has max figured out and that, that scene where they're all in the dog pile and yeah uh, she just sees him and goes hey yeah like it's so nice it, it, yeah and and she walks him down to the beach when it's time to leave and it's mm -hmm. it's very sweet yeah um Let's take a break. Uh, there's still a lot to unpack in this movie. Um, I, I had a revelation, but I'm saving it. Uh, yeah, okay. We'll come back with your revelation. Okay. Did you know that the Podfix Network, home of Varmints, Two Girls on a Bench, Podcast 42, and more, has its own network podcast? Go wherever fine podcasts are found and look for Podfix Presents. Network highlights, interviews, roundtables, and more all showcasing the eclectic depth of Podfix talent. So, subscribe today. Podfix presents on your podcast app of choice. And check us out at www.podfixnetwork.com at Podfix on Twitter and official underscore Podfix on the gram. The Podfix Network artist owned and loved. Hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician and I collect stories. Everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. 
There's a lot more in common between depression and sociopathy, or between serial killers and podcasters, than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com and iwbpodcast on social media. And we are back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I know I, I, I bit you and then ran off earlier. I know. I'm sorry. It was a longer break than usual. Yeah. We had to, <laughs> we never really know how long to, Max is gone. This is my mind palace. My my idea is that he was gone for a couple like an hours. Hour. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think the uh, wild things were actually homeless people that he caught doing drugs so? yeah. and just assimilated. Well, I mean, in, in, uh, in the book, it is all in that night. It's his dream. Right. Uh, he doesn't run away, but he's in his room and everything grows up around him. And then he wakes up and there's a, you know, the, right. the dinner waiting for him at the end is still there. The, this all happened at night or in his head, I meant to yeah. say. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. That much is pretty obvious. He, yeah. He may have found that boat and fallen asleep in it. Maybe. I don't know where else he went and fell asleep. Boat seems like a nice place to fall asleep. It's rocking a little bit. I guess. I don't know. It doesn't matter. All right. You have a revelation. Quite possibly. And I I am really excited for this. Okay. Let's hear it. So, KJ and KW, KW and Carol. Yep. Their relationship reminded me so much of like this is divorce or something. And we never see Max's dad. That's true. So my first thought was, oh, this represents their relationship. Very possible. Um, but I just realized uh, KW is more like a mom. Yep. And so this is Max's relationship with his mom. And it makes the ending make so much more sense because the whole dream sequence, he is arguing with his mom, basically. Because uh, it's clear that they have a very uneven relationship. Uh, and then this is him. He lets go of his anger. He lets go of Carol. And uh, KW, his mom, takes him back. She takes him on the boat. Yeah. And then his mom forgives him. Uh, it, it could be that. And his uh, his rage may be rooted in... Uh, any number of things dealing with the divorce. Maybe maybe he doesn't see his dad at all. Maybe right. it was a bad divorce. Maybe his dad was an abuser. Maybe he gets his rage from his dad and his calm from his mom. And that's the KW and Carol splitting up. Um, there's any uh, number of things. But yeah, I did think the, the absence of the dad... I thought he was dead at first. Uh, could have been. That, uh, that also could be... Um, Either way, the idea of a single parent home, when you criticize the mom for how she handled things, um, you do get the sense that the mom is gen generally overwhelmed. Like, she's having right. trouble at work. She's like, I can't afford to mess this up. Almost like she's having trouble keeping a job. Uh, probably having trouble keeping the bills. She has... A teenager, which is no picnic for one, and a younger child who is a demon, a lot to handle. And she, I, those are very real problems. They are I very understand. real problems, and a lot of times it causes 
I'm not excusing poor parenting decisions, but they happen. And and they're not intended to be harmful. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of those things where you just sort of say the home life is not ideal. And honestly, that's the home life of a lot of Americans who are financially strapped and, right. uh, you know, like it. So I think it is, it is a good reminder that like, um, that, that root thing that Maurice Sendak was talking about, like nobody's perfect and we make mistakes because life is hard. That's why this is an important lesson to learn. <clears throat> sure. Like, everyone needs to learn how to manage their emotions. Everybody needs to, to, uh, to go on a magical acid trip boat boat ride and, and meet their emotions head on. I mean, honestly, like... Yeah, man. I mean... <laughs> I mean, Le- no, for real, this is yeah. a... I, I have not seen Inside Out, but I think this is a super cool way to portray... Uh, gaining emotional intelligence is meeting actual manifestations and having them be these insane creatures. Right. I mean, really, we are insane creatures. Um, huh. Yeah, man. Fake deep quote. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm going to write that one down. You do that. We can put it on a throw pillow or something. Hey, in our merch shop, uh, check out our new, All our, right. our new t-shirt. Do you think this is a kid's movie? I, like, the message is something that kids need to know, but I feel like it would go over their heads. I have had people, I've heard people criticize this movie that, and one of their criticisms is, this came from a children's book, this is not a children's movie. This is scary and disturbing and and not for kids. And my response has always been, I took my children to this movie, but it's hard for me to judge because I think, I think I showed you guys movie, you know, Mm -hmm. we watched the Simpsons when you guys were kids and a lot of people are like, that's not for kids. It's like, no, it's really not, but know your kids, know what they can handle. Right. It's a cartoon. The dick jokes are going to go over my head. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, this is hard to say this movie. Yeah. But I don't remember it that much. Like. I don't, um, I didn't get a lot out of it. There's, I mean, there's some That's disturbing what, things in here, but I wouldn't, I don't think it's off limits for kids. I don't think they're going to get the levels. The, the, uh, the message, like the deep part of it, it's told in the, a way that adults will understand. Like when he, I can't remember what, uh, Carol says, but he says something super poetic about like existential dread basically yeah they're, uh, they're they're talking about um the end of the world right. everything's turning to dust he says uh but when they're walking in the mm-hmm. desert did you know the sun will go out yeah and uh, I, I think that's part of because max is dreading it mm-hmm. like uh carol starts to dread it yeah but i i don't know there's another quote in there that's like uh, w- when they're in the cave where Carol has his model city, uh-huh. I I can't remember what he says, but he says something uh, that's like very just profound and kind of trying to be a quotable thing. But I don't remember. I don't know. I I just remember it stood out to me as this isn't something a kid's gonna understand. It's something that a kid would definitely like 
feel, but like to dissect that quote and understand like the meaning of it. Well, it's his whole thing about wanting this kind of utopia where they're all happy together. Mm-hmm. And and I think a kid does understand that. I, I think a lot of kids understand like I wish I wish I didn't have these problems. I wish I didn't uh, uh, have a problem with this kid at school. I wish I didn't get angry. I, did, I, you know, I wish my mm-hmm. sister wasn't a jerk. Whatever it is. Um, and I think there are some emotional things that a kid could pick up on. A kid could recognize Carol as their rage. You know what I mean? Right. And, and make that connection if that kid has experience with, you know with rage or any of these emotions. I mean, there's a, I don't think he's going to understand that. Like Carol literally wants to eat Max and the -hmm. metaphor of being consumed by your own rage. And as opposed to him crawling into uh, KW's mouth where, you know, he's calmed because she is sort of self-aware, you know. Right. And it's almost like a womb when he's in there. It, it's like a womb and because she is self-awareness, that's when he kind of has the revelation, it's time for me to leave. It's time for me to leave. This, you know, this isn't this is destructive. Yeah. And I need to I need to go back home to my mom. I there's another really interesting thing that I want to talk about, which is uh this island has had many kings. Yeah. It's a cycle. It's a repeating cycle. We see it. Uh, this is really the story is the cycle breaking with Max. But when you look at it, uh, so it starts off uh, with destroying everything they've built. Uh, yep. You get angry. You want to destroy everything and start over. And oh, the king has this brand new plan. Okay, we're going to build our fort this way. And then, oh, our problems are still here. It's escapism. Right. Our problems are still here. Time to get mad, destroy them, kill our king, and find a new one. Right. Uh, and Max, uh, really, the thing is, uh, KW is leaving. She's self-aware. So when she's away from the group, that gives uh, the king... Like, he's able to escape that. He's able to break the cycle because of self-awareness. Right. He has... It, everybody's not in a big chaotic mess to, together. He has an option. Right. Uh, um, can I tell you what I love about that scene where Carol's breaking everybody's house? And, yes. And Max runs in and starts uh, also trying to break them apart and hitting him and everything. Yeah. And Carol goes, Haha, See? This guy gets it. It's, 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 it's hilarious. It's, it's just the best line. Like, yeah, this guy knows what's going on. Finally, and, someone um, around here. It's just it's just this really kind of sweet... Uh, you see their connection there. That they are both this ball of rage, you know? And, right. And you don't see it as destructive quite yet. But you, you start to understand it as it goes on. But you're right about the cycle. That's a really good call. Because they do build new stuff they build the new fort right and eventually they're always trying new things but it's within the same cycle and eventually um carol gets mad that everything isn't working out right just because they built stuff again and he says we got to tear down the fort Mm -hmm. you know and uh yeah it's a really 
That's a really great observation because it is sort of like, what are the bones doing there? You know? Right. And it, it that that is really uh, evident now that you say that. It's like, oh, of course. You know, this has been Max trying to deal with his emotions for his entire life and right. in a healthy way. Or, or and, maybe even, you know, uh, like his father and his father. Sure. And, you know, how families carry on this cycle of abuse oh that's that's interesting as well yeah the idea of of dysfunction being a a bad gene or more like a taught thing yeah yeah bad habits but yeah abusers become abusers kind of thing or not necessarily that may be not what they were going for here but the idea of anger Mm -hmm. uh yeah someone has to break the cycle and i think you're right i think max is breaking the cycle here. Mm-hmm. I, uh, another thing is, I really like how, uh, like, the whole thing is a broad metaphor that's really deep. But, like, when you look inside of the story, it does play out like kids on a playground getting angry at Oh, each yeah. Other. Like, to the point where, at the school I work at, I've had to deal with situations like this. Uh, like, a kid ripped somebody's arm off. No, no uh, not quite that. Not yet, but I'll I'll update you. Yeah, no, we'll see. Uh, but Bob and Terry, like, like when you are friends with two people who don't get along, uh, right? And so, what's his Carol doesn't want to be with Bob and Terry. Right. Uh, like I've had to deal with that and try to explain to kids how to get along. Yeah. And it's really frustrating uh, for everyone. So that's like another lesson. Like that's something kids will understand. I think so. Yeah. The uh, the uh, and and not only from Carol's perspective or Bob and Terry's perspective, but of KW's perspective of being in the middle or mm-hmm. Max's. You know, like right. The idea of having to deal with Ma- I, Max getting blamed for simply not taking part, not picking sides. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think there are elements like that that kids can pick up on. I don't think this is blatantly a kids movie in the way that like Pixar movies are, but I don't think kids necessarily shy away from some dark or kind of scary things. Like I think, I think this is a fine movie for maybe not a four or five year old, but a seven, eight year old, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, could handle this movie. When, when I talk about uh, is something for kids, I'm almost never talking about like graphic content or I'm, no, I'm talking yeah. like media literacy. Is will they be able to will, understand? Will they pick it up? Right. Is? I mean, we had a similar conversation with Soul, which is dealing with existentialism. You right. know, the meaning of life and and things like that. It, but it's like I think I think it isn't harmful you know what i mean like it's that kind of thing so uh yeah that's really interesting uh i want to talk about what this movie looks like a little bit um beautiful is the end it really is those i don't know what the budget of this movie was but i think the bulk of it went to those suits those suits and the the puppetry is fantastic I thought they were CGI to be honest. I I if they use CGI on the faces, I probably wouldn't be terribly surprised. Mm-hmm. But 
it's all seamless. It looks right. great. Uh, and I there's something about the look of a worn stuffed animal. Like uh, there's yeah. that new uh, they had like a Winnie the Pooh movie. It's live action. Oh but it's yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. Older now. It was about. Um, I think it was. Wasn't it about like the author and and his son, the real life Christopher Robin, and how they made. How they created Winnie the Pooh. Right, but he's kind of being haunted by, like, this... It's, yeah. This older version of Pooh. I didn't see it, but, um... Who's a bit raggedy, but, like, the look of that, I don't know what it is, but it's like, oh, your your fur is kind of matted, and you're yeah. very clearly not real, but you're moving. Yeah. Like, it just brings something out of me. It's very fun to see. You you enjoy it. It doesn't, I love like... It creep you out or anything that's that's pretty interesting and this movie is full of it because the wild things are just these big furry stuffed animals yeah they they look demented they don't look cuddly at all uh they're kind of just straight up ugly which Mm -hmm. is i think what i always liked about the book was that it was a book full of monsters and they didn't look like sesame street monsters who are ultimately just kind of cute right there's no mike wazowski right these these creatures look disturbing and they adapted them like spot on these are Mm -hmm. characters straight out of that book out of the maury sendak illustrations the bird is terrifying yeah i love it (laughs) i love when he gets his arm torn off and they just put a stick (laughs) i want to i want to shout out because i ran down the cast and i only ran down the the voice cast but I want to shout out the the suit performers because I think the it's one of those things where um the actual like body language it's like Andy Circus, you know what I mean? Like that's a real performance, just right. the 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 body language. So Vincent Crowley was Carol, uh Sonny uh Grasmowitz was Alexander, Nick Farnell was Judith. Sam Longley was Ira. Um, Angus Sampson was the bull. Uh, Mark uh, uh, Mark McCracken was also the bull. Um, Chris Cooper, no, Chris Cooper was the voice of Douglas. John Leary was the Douglas suit. And Alice Parkinson was KW. Oh, also Garan Michael was uh also kw so there was uh and then yeah that's it and spike jones was also the voice of bob the owl oh um but uh, i i would be really interested in seeing how that's done oh i would yeah like, i would i wonder if there is a, a making of like uh, i i can't tell if it was scaled up a bit like because the the wild things are bigger than Max and like yeah. a normal human, right? So I don't know what the scale is. Maybe they filmed uh, the suits and Max separate and like put them together. It could be. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'd imagine they're pretty big, bulky suits. You know what I mean? Right. And and it could be that that was just the natural scale. But either way, they look great. The performances of the suit performers 
and the voice actors, I mm-hmm. I, I think just made it the, seamless. They made these characters fully fleshed out. Even the smaller roles like Ira, you don't really hear much from Ira, but you get a sense of who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a real like quiet moment with Alexander the goat, the goat guy, right? Uh, after he's been hurt by that dirt clod and he's got like a wound on him. He, he kind of winces. You when... kind of you kind of get the sense that like yeah, this is a you know really sad crew. You really understand who these characters are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think they just did such a great job on on the visuals of the suit, the setting, the fort that they build. Right. Uh, Carol's model set. It all just looks beautiful. It's it's really a a, a great looking movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about, uh, I, I mentioned it earlier, but like, you know, the having multiple ways of saying the same thing, that's what I feel like the model in the cave is like Max has already run away to this imaginary land where he can live out his wildest fantasies. Uh, and then within that you have a monster who also wants to do that. Right. And then they, like, I don't know. It just seems a little much. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think this could be a really ahead of the curve on the talk about mental illness uh, that we're having today. This, I think, I think there are a lot of people who would love to um, find an escape from their own mind. You know what I mean? The mm. the anxiety that builds up and if you start spending too much time in your mind, you need a safe haven within your mind. You know what I mean? Like this is... Right, like compart- compartmentalizing? A, a little bit. This is also 2009. Uh, this is before we were all hiding on social media on our phones all the time. Right. Not much. It was the beginning of it. It was there. We had <laughs> smartphones. We had... Apps were rolling out. That's not me. By the way, make sure to follow make my sure to second follow. Twitter. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I got the, Brit, yeah, you're right I got the BritBox that. app so I could watch 26 years of Doctor Who. But no, I'm not obsessed with technology. No, no. I, I, I just think um, the idea... Like, ideally, you have... Uh, Meditation. You have all these things that allow you to kind of escape the world. Right. But what happens if if being in your head is also chaotic? And I think Max's head is super chaotic. And, uh, you know, we, we see it played out with Carol that Carol's not... Carol's a rage monster, but you I don't know that he really enjoys being a rage monster. It's just what he is right i think carol wants some calm too and so he's built this thing and that's what the ford is supposed to be everybody wants to live in harmony Mm -hmm. and when they're all there together and max is there with them they are kind of in harmony for a little bit but that is also right on the edge of 
out of control. They I'm, they get together and they have fun moments and then they grate and against then, each other. Yes, and yeah. It, it's it's they get these little moments and um boy, they are they're just balanced on a on a razor's edge with it though. You know, like you can see it only takes a little thing to tip it into now we're not having fun anymore. Right. Yeah. Just like emotions. Right. That's Right. Ups, you, downs. You can whatever. ride high, but boy, it, some, t- some days it just does not take much. And mm-hmm. um, one broken pencil and I'm going to lose my mind. I've, you know, I've, I've been, I've lost it over the smallest things, you know, but um, I think anyone who deals with that, anyone who deals with uh, the mind palace being an unstable place, uh, will find something in this movie that they identify with. And I I think in the same way that I did, they can come away feeling feeling bad for Carol. I, I, right. I felt really bad for Carol at the end of this. I did too. Um, when Max sails away, it is surprisingly emotional. At, at this point, the movie is almost two hours. We're almost two hours into this movie, which is too long. It is. Um, Max has annoyed me. Uh, the movie has irritated me in not executed everything in a great way. Uh, but I bought into the relationships that Max had with all of his emotions when he mm-hmm. left. I That brings me to, like, the middle of this movie kind of gets lost. But, like the beginning and the end really managed to make you invested. Yeah, that's true. Um, like, you... like they lose you a little bit. Like you're still having fun. You're still like, Oh, this is interesting. Uh, but then when it's time to leave, like you get brought back into the fold and you're like, Oh, right. There's, there's the story structure. There's right. The there's, work. there's the character moments I've been looking for. Right. There, there's the, there's the sympathetic max that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And um, the bull who didn't talk the entire time pay off finally, finally, and he he says, "Will you tell them nice things about?" It? And it's it's so sweet because this sad monster just wants people to like him, mm-hmm. and and you know, kind of saying, "Will you advocate for us?" You know, this this kind of thing. It's it's really sweet and and really nice and uh, even Judith who doesn't like him because she's self loathing. <laughs> they don't hug on the way out, but she kind of just nods at him. And it, there's like right. these little moments of understanding. You know, uh, Ira gives him a big hug and and KW lifts him in the boat, and she's such a mom. It's all it's all just really sweet. Uh, and then you just feel bad for Carol who missed him going away. So. It is. Um, uh, spoiler alerts on where the wild things are, by the way. Uh, but I, yeah, I think, I think there's, uh, let's, let's cut to recommendations. Cause this is, you know, we talked about, is this a kid's movie? Mm-hmm. Um, and now it gets a little trickier of like, would you recommend this movie? Because it's not a perfect movie. I, you have to be a specific person. Uh, but I need to recommend it. I can think of a handful of people off the top of my head that I speak to about anxiety, their anxiety, my anxiety, mm-hmm. the things that we deal with. And I would say 
You might not love this movie, but you will see parts of yourself in it that you can identify with and that you'll feel good about identifying with. Right. You, you know, you'll, you'll see yourself represented on screen. Even the ugly parts of you, you kind of go, someone else gets it. Maybe just send them a few YouTube clips. Just like the, it, the highlights there's, of the film. Yeah, maybe. There, there's a bunch of montage stuff the, you could This movie cut, could yeah. easily be cut into like a 50-minute short story. Yeah, this could have been like a long short film. Mm-hmm. Or at least, I think they could have cut it down to about an hour and a half, and I think it would have been a really digestible... Cut some of those montages out, or right. cut them down at least. And, and it would have been this really serviceable movie, I think. Can I bring up one more quick question? Yeah, please. Uh, so this is a thought that I had watching the movie. Uh, but is this specifically about boys? Like, will a girl relate to this? Because I know, like, these are emotions that we all deal with. No, this is super and sexist. No, her. it's not. I Girls get angry. <laughs> I, girls know. Get, I know, I know, I know. Right. It's the same emotions, but, like... The way we handle things is different. Uh, it's true. Um, well, that's like with ADHD, like girls have different symptoms. Uh, like outlets are different. So like will a girl like relate to Max? I, or I, is this a very uh, masculine representation of how to deal with anger? I don't think it is because I kind of, I think that maybe... Uh, Girls and women don't outwardly express rage in the same way. But I think they feel it the same inside. So even if they're not literally destroying things on the outside and having outbursts, we know what Carol's feeling. And it really doesn't have to do with whether or not Max breaks stuff or bites somebody or acts out in a violent way outwardly. This is what your rage feels like. It feels like smashing shit. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't think that's necessarily a masculine thing to feel that way. It's a masculine thing to do it in in real life. but Which is weird, um, but yeah. I, I don't know that that is... I think it's a representation of what rage feels like. Um, right. Uh, but I don't... I, women women I, I with anxiety... Uh, and and any sort of like emotion like high emotion uh that can speak to this i i would love for you to weigh in on this because that is a really good question i would think this is pretty universal uh because we're just talking about representations of emotion right i i would Um, think so too i'm i just feel like maybe there's some nuances that aren't the same in my I'm I'm Not sure translate uh, well. Yeah, I'm, I don't I'm, know. I'm sure. Um, I don't know. I I honestly, that's a that's an interesting question. But I I just had the thought that this would be a different story if it were a little girl with uh, anger issues. It could be, or the spectrum of emotions could be different. It may not be low self esteem, or it may be um, uh, less nihilistic. I don't know. Right. I'm not saying that women don't feel those things. I'm just, uh, it could be a different spectrum of emotion and it could be a different dominant one. Maybe the dominant one isn't rage. You know what I mean? Like, 
Uh, we hear a lot about women feeling they're not good enough because of media and Instagram and things like that. So maybe the self-esteem is the thing that, you know, the, the low, maybe Ira is like the dominant thing in a, in a, in a young woman in this story. Hashtag girl boss. Um, I don't know. That's really interesting. Oz. Just something to think about. Uh, you got anything else? I don't know. This movie's pretentious in a good way. It is pretentious in... uh, Mostly in a good way, yes. It's making a point. It's making an intellectual... I I don't think it's full of itself, though. Or that it is incorrectly full of itself. It's full of itself in the right amount. I would say Spike Jones is really good at making art house movies that are accessible to non-art house people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And have you seen her or I haven't yet, it, but I want to. Uh, he didn't do Eternal Sunshine, by the way. Um, but he did do um, Being John Malkovich, which is a batshit crazy movie. Have not seen it, but it's very interesting, and and it's accessible to right everybody. You know, like um, so yeah. Uh, pretentious may not be. It may not be the word. I would say this is an ambitious movie Mm -hmm. um, that delivers a good part of the time. Not every time, but a good part of the time it does actually execute pretty well. I would say that. So, yeah, there is a lot to unpack with this. We could probably keep going, but I think we've kind of hit the high points. I would, yeah, I would say so. I... We gotta cut it off at some point. These yeah. these episodes keep just getting longer and longer. I don't have a, a big problem with that, but our listeners probably do. Um, well, they can know. tap out where they feel. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. That's where the wild things are. Um, a mixed bag of a movie, but I'm glad. It's one of those things like, Maybe I'm not super stoked to be watching this the whole time, but now that it's over and we're talking about it, I'm glad I watched it. It's a think piece. It, this this is what a piece of art is supposed to do, is give you something to think about. And right. I think in terms of that, this movie is a success. It's got a message. It's got uh, beautiful imagery. It is a beautiful movie. Yes. It's... I, I would put it on silently, like just watch it in the background. You know, it, you're not wrong. There are movies that um, that are j- great just to have images on while you're making art or something like that, just to sort of like have it play. And Look up every once in a while. I can and... I can see that. Yeah. There, this this movie is shot really. The the trees with the holes in them yep. and the flowers, beautiful. I don't love the handheld shaky cam. Uh that so many indie movies do. This, I kind of liked the realism. I, I, I get it. It's bit. just uh, it's just not my favorite. But overall, like the big wide chats, great. You know, right. uh, this is this is solid. So um, that's the movie. O- overall, I'll give this a thumbs up and say I, I think a lot of people can relate to it if they give this movie a chance. It's it's a frustrating movie, but it's something I think a lot of people would be glad that they did watch yeah and if you don't like it halfway through just shut it off it's fine 
No one will stop. No you. one will. No one will care. Or just read the book. Much more accessible. And faster. Much faster. And also beautiful visually. Well, there you go then. There you go then. Uh, let's let's move on. Shout outs. All right. What do you got shouting. this week? Uh, going along with my Doctor Who theme today. Ooh, uh, nice. I I don't know if any of our listeners are fans, but if you are, they're out there. Uh, you should watch an episode. Literally any episode. Um, but my shout out is Doctor Who related. It is the Mr. Tardis YouTube channel. He's just uh, he's British. Uh, really? Yeah, I I know. <laughs> Weird. Uh, this guy, he's an amateur director. I don't know. He's done like little fan stuff. Um, which I I don't say little as like a demeaning thing. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Sounds, uh, he really he reviews Doctor Who and he has uh really insightful things to say. Uh, he also does uh, viewer breakdown videos. So he goes into the analytics of, uh, oh, this most recent episode has this many views, like four million or something. And it's like, okay, it ranked this much uh, in the day that it aired okay. compared to everything else. Uh, just sort of goes over like how the show is doing for people who care about that. The weird people like me that care about that all right so yeah i i think he's fun okay that's mr tardis that's uh that sounds like a a big nerd out for doctor who people very and doctor who people i think are always looking for more stuff to geek out about so that might just be me but yes no i don't think it is i think that's a doctor who that's a whovian trait i i think i've found but they're um, excitable people Whovians. You know, uh, they hate stuff, they love stuff, then they hate it again. And, and the cycle keeps going. And the big, What do you mean the doctor's a woman? The big pile of dead kings <laughs> and <laughs> doctors. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have got a podcast that I want to shout out. This is a buddy of mine. Kate Walinga hosts the podcast Ignorance Was Bliss. And this is a podcast that started out as like a true crime kind of thing, um, but has sort of morphed into a conversation a lot of times about uh, mental health. Uh, Kate's a, a, a in the mental health field, or she, she was when she was working professionally. Um, and as she puts it, she's uh, we run her ad on our show. Constantly, mm-hmm. I just want to give her an extra shout out. Um, as she puts it, she collects stories and she has a variety of people from all different walks of life on there to talk about a variety of different things. I was on an episode earlier this month, I've been on her show three or four times. Um, and it's just conversational hey, what's going on? You know, not like a not like a late night talk show kind of boring interview it's a conversation that we have uh we talked this last time about parenting uh quite a bit but we talk about other things too and it's just that's really cool uh kate kate is a a really she's one of those people that's a really easy person to talk to um if you're talking about something that she's not familiar with uh she asks all the right questions you know 
allows you to have that conversation. Um, and, and if it's something she does know, she has some authority without being well actually over top of you. It's a really like good give and take. It's, it's really conversational. Every episode is not for every person. Uh, she's really good. Same thing with every conversation. And it really is. I don't, you know, I tell Kate straight up, I don't listen to every episode. Uh, you know, some guests, uh, don't, some things that I've had experience with and I don't like somebody's take on it. I just, I don't troll them. I just, you know, I'm like, this one's not for me. And I write Kate an angry letter. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that I've said things on there that other people don't agree with. And that's, that's the beauty of that show is it is different perspectives from different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so taken as a whole, there's something for everybody on there and there's something very not for everybody on there. But Kate is really good at sort of curating a variety like that and able to hang in there. I mean, it's, it's something as a podcaster I couldn't do. You know, if you brought a certain perspective to me, I'd be like, nah. No, I can't. I can't have that here. <laughs> but, um, it's a talent to organize all that. It really is. Uh, she's over three hundred episodes now. In in just a couple of years, she's really prolific. And uh, uh, Kate, you're awesome. Uh, so that's called Ignorance Was Bliss, and uh, I recommend everybody go find a topic in the back catalog and and give it a listen. On that note, we are going to get out of there, but out of here. But first, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. If you enjoyed our show, even when we recorded our dining room table, please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. It really helps our visibility and helps us grow the show. Yeah, another way you can help us grow. Get this. You can tell your friends about us. Friends? Yeah, it's when uh, you and another person don't hate each other. Oh, I heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So uh, tell those cool. people. Yeah, I will. And maybe the people one. you hate, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tell them about us. All right. Austin, you are in control next week. That's right. And I will subject you to a movie called The Astronaut Farmer. Oh, I know that movie. You do? I, yeah. Okay, I... Billy Bob Thornton, right? I don't know. Yep. I was on HBO Max and looking at sci-fi movies, and I saw the trailer, and it was really interesting. Okay. No idea if the movie's good. I've never seen it. Uh, I have not seen it since it was new. And I think I had kind of a mixed reaction to it, but... Okay. I mean... Time changes perspective on a lot of things. That movie's got to be 20 years old, right? Something like that. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's about a blue-collar farmer. It's a, a farmer who builds a rocket. He's yeah. building a rocket. It's, it's a super interesting concept, and it raises... It looks inspirational. If, it, if, it, if memory serves, it raises some very interesting questions. Um, so, yeah. I, okay. I, I'm looking forward to revisiting that. Interesting choice. Austin, you've been really... I told you this earlier. You are bringing some great movies to the table this season. I, I think we've watched some really interesting things. Uh, people got really stoked that we reviewed 12 Angry Men. And I listened to that episode. I'm super proud of that episode. 
I think we had a, a great conversation about a great movie. And I think you, you're bringing, uh, you know, soul, you're bringing some heat this year. I, uh, I don't take so. average movies. No, man, you're, you're taking uh, some big swings although, and, and they're paying off, I think, better than mine are. I, so. I don't always know what is a good movie, though. Like, uh, I just watched Mrs. Doubtfire mm-hmm. after uh-huh. never seeing it before because uh, my boyfriend made me watch it. After everybody has hyped that movie up as the funniest thing in the world for how long? Yeah. No, I thought it was going to be like the dumbest movie. I thought, oh, this is a dumb kids movie about uh, a man who dresses up as right. a woman. Uh, but it was really good. No, Mrs. Doubtfire is fine. Yeah. I, I think Mrs. Doubtfire is a good movie, but people prop that up as like the greatest Robin Williams movie. And it's like, I get it. That's the movie that introduced a lot of people to Robin Williams. Right. But like Robin Williams has done so much better stuff than Mrs. Doubtfire. No, we've all seen Flubber. We all know the masterpiece. (laughs) I saw Mrs. Doubtfire in the theater. Um, and it was, we had a, we had a blast. My, your aunt Jen, uh, Mm. uh, our aunt and uncle took us when, I think it was probably like after Thanksgiving, so we would duck out of the family reunion and go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, we had a great time. Mrs. Doubtfire is funny, but it is. Uh, like I, yeah, I think it's also like it's super. I think Robin Williams did much funnier things, and I think he did much better movies as a whole than it, Mrs. Doubtfire. It shocked me how serious the movie was. It is actually like, there is some... Like, oh my God. R- really like, there's something very sad about a man who can't see his children. Like, right. that's very real. So in the middle, that maybe that's it. Maybe it's the tone of that movie is like, ridiculous hijinks. And then, oh yeah, a horrible custody battle <laughs> for your children. <laughs> it's a weird tone. But, um, yeah. Interesting. Maybe I should have made that our movie for next week. Maybe, you know, you'll have another pick coming around pretty soon. All right. So, uh, all right. Uh, Now that we've done our Mrs. Doubtfire hunk, in in order to get this as close to an hour and a half as possible. um, That's our show. uh, Throw your social media, all of them out there again. All of them. Uh, (laughs) God, so hard to remember. Uh, At... Old whore view on uh, on, Twitter, on Twitter, right? Yeah. Also, uh, Austin N Rude and Austin Rude uh, on TikTok and uh, Instagram. That's your misunderstood star on Instagram, right? I've been meaning to change that, but I don't think I can. I don't think you can. I'm either. stuck with it. Um, I am philrude.com at philrude75 on Instagram and at philrude on Twitter and at philrude on uh, uh, video TikTok. Wow, someone has all of their social medias the same, the same name. Yeah, it's uh, it's called branding. Austin, you want to read the credits? Yep, we did everything ourselves, uh, and oh. this. Uh, may have starred George as he kept walking by and may have been playing with his toys in the background. Yes, thank you, George. Don't we, know if you heard that. I really so, appreciate it. I uh, don't want that to go uncredited. Yeah, great job, George. All right. You're the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. See ya.